Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Uh, my name's Clayton Croker. To my left, we have Justin Anderson joining us in Halifax. Uh, via Skype, we have Patrick Marsh. Usually, this is when we shoot the shit a little bit, talk about what's going on in our lives, talk about how you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, that stuff, talk about where you can listen to Bat Flips and Maple Dips. But we have a very special guest joining us on the old Skype machine. Um, recently signed Blue Jays pitcher James Dykstra joins us on the show. How's she going, James? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Now, in case our listeners don't know, um, James got signed through the help of Twitter. Uh, he teamed up with Pitching Ninja, and we'll touch up on that a little bit later. Um, James has been posting highlight videos to generate interest uh, across Major League Baseball. Now, the video showed his velocity, uh, his break, uh, his overall filthy stuff, which it is pretty filthy. But uh, basically, this guy has been grinding in the minor leagues, uh, even been pitching in Mexico in some independent leagues. Uh, but... I mean, he hit like 100 on the gun a couple times, and when that happens and someone sees it, there's a good chance you're going to get signed. So, James, just take us through the process of how you got signed by the Blue Jays. Like, how did this all start? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously I was in the independent leagues for two years. Um, This past year is when my velo spiked a lot, and just, you know, seeing – following pitching ninja and seeing what he creates um my girlfriend actually was just like hey let's just start making videos put it online see what happens uh put a few videos up um got a little bit of interest i mean like thirty-five thousand hits or something like that so good interest but not crazy and obviously nothing came of it and posted one at the end of the year um not even trying to get picked up by affiliate team just trying to get a winter ball job and then you know go from there kind of get a one step at a time thing and went down in Mexico. My velo was the same as this year, uh, maybe a little bit higher. And my girlfriend again was like, "Hey, let's just make another video." Uh, the, the World Series just ended. Uh, you know, teams aren't aren't really doing much. Maybe they're they're a little bit more active. So, put a video up again, and it just took off. So not only do you have Pitching Ninja to thank, but it sounds like your girlfriend has a lot to do with this as well. Is she kind of the social media manager in your relationship? Because that's how it is with my marriage. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, she's she's more into the social media game than I am. Um, I mean, I, I don't try to use it too much just because I know one wrong word can trigger someone and all of a sudden you're, you're going downhill fast. So I try to stay away from it. And she, she's she's big into that like video video editing and design deal. So she helped me a lot with that. For sure. Yeah. So, um, how did really, how did pitching ninja, how did Rob from pitching ninja kind of get a hold of your video? Did he just kind of pin the seat on Twitter and then share it out for you? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I've, I've posted a few videos before and I've tagged him in it and mm. he has retweeted it a couple times. Nice. And I think he, uh, I, I added him on the, um, that post at the end when after i said all my velos and stuff and i think he just saw it and kind of recognized the name and just knew that you know i've been i've been kind of grinding for a while and he's just he's just willing to help out and he retweeted it and with his following and his influence it just it took off yeah so is pitching ninja like a pitching coach or is it just a twitter account that retweets guys with filthy stuff college guy stuff like that or um yeah i think it's just a twitter account that just you know he he does 
pretty much people that are in college and professional, like kind of what I'm doing now, uh, people that are trying to rediscover it and, you know, show that they reinvented themselves. And also he, like during the big league season, he does like the mm-hmm. pitching overlays of like people with curveballs and fastballs and shows like how they have the same release point and stuff like that. Yeah, he's got this cool uh, service called Flatground too, where he showcases a lot of like college and high school kids that are trying to get either signed by college or drafted into the big league. So he's really yeah. good for that. Yeah, it's definitely one of the better follows on on baseball Twitter, and he does some really cool stuff with like some great edits on uh, just some like funny awards. Like he had like the best uh, center field over the wall pitch of 2019 get the Trevor Bauer when he threw the oh, ball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he does like some joke yeah. awards like that too, right? So it's definitely a good follow. He's a big fan of Marcus Stroman as well for us. Yeah, Blue no, it's, guys. A, it's a great account. I mean, oh, especially what he's cool. doing now for people like me. I mean, just the way. I mean, it's it's hard to get noticed nowadays. I mean, especially in independent ball. Just I mean. The deal of it is like scouts don't come. I mean, I was in the Atlantic League this mm-hmm. past season, and there was probably two games all season where a scout actually came to a game. Wow! So I mean, the fact that he, you know he's he's willing to use his platform to help players like me get exposed and actually get noticed is pretty awesome. Well, that's a big thing with teams. They're looking to save money wherever they can, and if they can save money sending a scout on a big two-month trip, they can just creep Twitter, find a couple <laughs> prospects. I exactly, mean, that, that's exactly. kind of what it's happened smart, with you. Honestly. Um, is that how you see baseball scouting going towards instead of the long road trips from scouts, kind of like the money ball thing? That's an inside joke here on Batflips and Maple Diffs. We're always like, oh, yeah, he looks like a hell of a ball player. Good look, <laughs> good bat. Um, is it more now the online presence? You need to have a Twitter account. You need to be posting videos on social media to get noticed and maybe make it to the bigs? Uh, honestly, nowadays, yeah, I do. Because like you said, I mean, just it saves – the organization so much time and money. I mean, like you said, sending out a scout to, let's say, I was with Sioux City, the middle of Iowa, to send a scout there, you're going to have to pay for a hotel, the flight, his food, all that deal. And then he's got to sit through probably a freezing cold game <laughs> for three nights, watching maybe one player. And then if you don't do well, then all of a sudden you're crossed off his list. So hmm. I think it just it helps everyone out because you're able to make a highlight video showing exactly what you want to show, what they want to see as well. And anyone and everyone in their organization can see it because all I have to do is go to say pitching ninja and say a scout season and then he's he forwards it to the player development guy and then he forwards it to the gm and so like that and they all have it accessible on hand so it's just it's just it speeds things up i think definitely so obviously your video you said you gained a ton of traction this last time you posted it so how did the blue jays end up reaching out to you did they go through your agent or did they kind of reach out to you directly did they slide into your dms <laughs> uh yeah it was a little bit of both i mean i posted it um and i think within 24 hours um i had someone from their front office message me and say um can you please dm me so we can chat um through that way and then i did that and he he wanted to see the um, the trackman data that i said i mm. i had available yep. and i sent that over to him and then I think they took a look at that and then just through my info and stuff, they know who my agent is and they got in touch with him, I think, shortly after. Man, within 24 hours, the Jays were thirsty. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I had, I had a handful of teams within 24 hours calling my agent. 
That's got to be a pretty cool feeling looking in your messages and saying, oh, man, the Jays and all these major league baseball teams are sending me message because of this video. I mean, um, for people who don't know, talk a little bit about your baseball journey, about how you reached this point, like where you went to school, where you grew up, kind of your journey through the minors uh, to get to this point. So give us a little bit of a beginning, middle and end here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys have time for my full story. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in San Diego, California, um, went to high school, was um, a position player mm. my, pretty much my whole life, um, was an infielder my freshman, sophomore, junior year, and then went to center field my um, my senior year, grew into my body. Um, actually, right before the season started, uh, I dove for a ball and ended up separating my left shoulder huh. and um, tore my labrum, all that, pretty much everything in the shoulder. And, the, um, I'm a, I was a right-handed hitter. So, uh, every time I would swing, my shoulder would pop out. So it was basically either have surgery now and miss the whole season or, or basically just do nothing. So, um, I was like, well, I don't want to have surgery now. It's my senior year. Um, I can still throw. So that happens. And, uh, my coach was like, all right, well, if you can throw, let's see if you can pitch. <laughs> so I ended up pitching probably, I don't know, 20 innings or so, whatever whatever high school is, and um, went went to a junior college in Arizona called Yavapai Junior College. Went there as a hitter, played left field all season. Uh, from there, went to Louisiana State. Um, Louisiana State went there as a position player played left field and then we were just we were playing like our purple gold series and i threw a guy out from deep left field at home in the air and our, um came in our coach was like have you ever pitched before you have a really good arm and i was like um i mean a little bit never really took it too serious he's like all right well you're gonna pitch next uh next inning went out there was low 90s and he was like i think i think you're gonna start pitching a little bit so go, go on christmas break come back they went all right you're going to be a pitcher. We're making a pitcher. This is this. And then basically that's kind of my pitching career as far as because uh, I threw a guy out from left field. <laughs> and from there, just I kind of struggled with the transition because I didn't really know how to pitch or anything. They didn't really teach me too much. And I was just, hey, throw hard this one inning. And in the SEC, that didn't really work. Mm. So um, ended up transferring out of there. And with the, the transfer rules, you can't go D1 to D1 without sitting out. So I went to an NAI back home in San Diego called Cal State San Marcos and became a full-time pitcher there and transferred my junior year. So my junior year was at Cal State San Marcos, didn't get drafted, and went back for my senior year and then ended up being a uh, six-round draft pick uh, hmm. to the Chicago White Sox. Crazy. Wow. So that's quite the journey so, just through college there. Like you go going so, through a couple teams back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I went to three different colleges, so that was that was pretty. <laughs> and then you spent like what, like I think like three or four years with the White Sox, and then a couple with Texas, correct? Yeah, I made it made it up to Double A, played a full season Double A with the White Sox, um, and then that off season they traded me to the Texas Rangers, hmm. and the first first season with them they they sent me back to Double A, had a really good first month or so and then they promoted me up to triple a struggled a little bit there just i mean facing a whole 
whole different caliber of hitter. Yeah. Kind of just took me took me by surprise. You know, still still kind of learning how to be a starting pitcher at that at that level of baseball, and struggled. And then they kind of experimented me a little bit, relieving, kind of be like a long man. And then they they sent me to the Arizona Fall after that season hmm. to kind of get used to being a, a reliever and learning a true true out pitch. You know, just kind of throw a fastball right. splitter is what I ended up deciding on for that and then went back to swing training kind of struggled a little bit because they had me as a full-time reliever and went back to double a actually because they they wanted me to just be a reliever and then work my way back up like that and then um unfortunately just got released from there hmm. so in the independent league this year is that kind of when you became like really a truly a full-time reliever then yeah, because um, I, when I got released from Texas, I went to Sioux City in the American Association, and um, there the pitching coach was just like, "Hey, if you want to get noticed, you got to be a starter because you throw the most innings. People know exactly when you're going to pitch. It's just it's easier to get more exposure the more innings you throw, obviously. So I was a starter all that year, and then this past off season, pretty much. Um, all all MLB teams are like, hey, your your way to the big leagues right now is just be a reliever. It's huh. easier to get picked up. It's easier to stay on a roster. It's easier to move up, obviously, because yeah. the way just relievers can interchange. So I took it more seriously, and was like, all right, I'm just gonna be a full time reliever. Uh, if someone asks me if I'm gonna start, I'm gonna say no. I'm, I'm trying this relieving thing out, and got invited to spring training by the Reds. Um, Went there as a reliever, ended up getting released uh, towards the end, and went to the Atlantic League, started with Sugarland, um, and ended up getting released by them again, huh. and ended up in Southern Maryland where I finished my season out. Interesting. I yeah. think one of the reasons so. you probably got noticed from your Twitter video is the fact that you were throwing 97 to 100 miles an hour on the gun. Um which is something you hadn't done before. What's the secret to adding extra velocity on your fastball? Because back when I played, way back in the day, it was those weighted balls. So you'd have like five balls that were weighted a little bit heavier than a baseball, each a little bit heavier than the other one, and then you'd kind of warm up with that and then take some actual pitches with a fastball, and that was supposed to add a couple miles on your fastball. Is that still how they do it, or is there a different system that you use? Um, I know that's a... That's one of the big ones. I know that's a big like driveline kind of yeah implement deal. They're they're big into the weighted balls. Um, I've used weighted balls a little bit. I haven't. I I wouldn't say I've followed it religiously by any means. Um, if I do use it, it's just because um, you know I'm I'm just gonna throw those first, get my arm loose because I don't have much time. Just want to get it loose, and then that way I don't I don't spend thirty minutes playing long toss and stuff like that because. Normally, I don't really have anyone playing catch with. I normally just throw into a net by myself. So <laughs> it kind of just speeds up the process. But I think my velo just it shot up when I changed my workout program, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was more when I was a starter. I was 88 to 92, maybe touch 94, just throwing really heavy sinkers, just getting ground balls, eating innings, and never worried about throwing hard. People are like, you're going to get the big leagues because you get ground balls and – you throw you, you can go eight innings and 70 80 pitches 
So I never even worried about it. And then finally the, the whole backspin and spin rate, throw hard kind of era hit. And all of a sudden it went, Oh, you throw 92. You're not even, you're not even on our radar anymore unless you throw 96, 97. So hmm. I changed my, changed my workout. I added probably 20, 25 pounds and just basically learned how to use my entire body and put, hundred percent into my fastball on each pitch and from that i think it's just my velo shot up it's all in the hips as chubbs peterson would say <laughs> it's all basically in I the mean, hips. That was basically it is I, I i learned how to you know engage my hips and my backside and uh have my hips you know shoot forward and then basically slingshot my upper body yeah, because your uh, your delivery is pretty violent just based on that video. It's awesome. I love it. I, I mean, I know at this point it's just um, I never know what my last pitch is going to be. So I'm gonna, every pitch I throw, I make sure that you know that's I put everything into it. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that mentality. Um, so you've pitched in a, obviously in a, for a few minor league teams and in a bunch of different cities. Is there like a ballpark that you've pitched in that kind of stands out as maybe like one of the favorites you've ever pitched in? Um. In minor league baseball, probably, probably Nashville. Nashville. When I, it's a Triple A for the Texas Rangers now, but when I was in Triple A, it was for the Oakland Athletics. Um, mm. I, I wouldn't say anything special about the the ballpark in general. I think it's just Nashville. I mean, it has a awesome backdrop of Nashville. You know, Vanderbilt's right behind center field. Right. Uh, uh, it's just an awesome city to be in. And it, it back out their their stadium. You know, it was just the country music kind of base right there. It's just <laughs> awesome. I mean, I, I I haven't I haven't been able to play in the international league, but I've also heard Charlotte's pretty awesome. So I'm I'm excited to possibly play there. Playing in the minors in any sport is an absolute grind. And a few buddies that I know that play minor hockey, they say that because of the grind the parties are even better. Like after you win three in a row or something like that on the road and those long road trips, the beers afterwards just taste so much better. What do you think is the better party atmosphere? Is it college baseball or is it life on the road playing minor league baseball? Like When it comes to partying, I don't know if you're that kind of guy, but what are the better like memories that you've made, college or playing minor league ball? Um, yeah, I, I've done my share of partying you know, <laughs> when I was younger, obviously, but... Um, oh man, I think maybe minor leagues is probably better because college, you know, you're, you're still kind of underage. You can't really get into any bars. You just kind of have that house party afterwards. And then, um, minor league baseball, you know, you're, you're, you're overage. You can pretty much go wherever you want. And it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's, especially in, if you're in a small town, there's nothing to do. It's no one wants to go back to the hotel and it's all right. We either just got killed tonight so let's go out and have a beer because it's probably you know one dollar pitcher night at this hole in the wall place or you know we just swept a team and you know we feel great so we're gonna go out and have a beer as a team yeah what was it like pitching in mexico like it wasn't like eastbound and down obviously but was it like was it a different experience was it a good experience it was a i loved it down there honestly i mean I went down there having no idea what was going to go on. I've heard different things from people that played down there that it's a different type of baseball. Um, one, it was awesome. It was the first, 
the first game I went there was actually our home stadium, and our home stadium held probably close to 30,000 people, and mm. they packed it out. Mm. Every night it was packed. People awesome. people were there from the first inning to the ninth inning, and games there would end at 1230 at night, and it would still be packed. Crazy. And that was pretty awesome. Is that it, was, it was basically just a giant party in the stands. They're, they're playing music constantly. Um you know they got dancers they have mascots on the field as the game's going on <laughs> and it yeah it's just a completely different feel from american baseball and it was it was honestly a blast i loved it sure so switching gears from from mexico to canada now uh you're coming to a, a pretty cold place no yeah no, uh, <laughs> i'm not gonna hold anything back on you there but what is something that you would want blue jays fans to know about you before the season starts um, just, you know, just first off, just thank you for everyone that retweeted and liked and has reached out to me on Twitter saying that, you know, they love my story and that they hope that, um, I do well and that I make it to Toronto this season and just, you know, I'm going to keep working hard and, you know, this, this is just another stepping stone in my story. And hopefully that with the Blue Jays, I can finally get to my end goal and make it to the big leagues and start winning some games with Blue Jays fans, and you know we can finally get to the World Series soon. Oh, I like that last one. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> you know, um, you know, you have official friend of the show yeah. status now. <laughs> do, you have, uh, do you have any questions about Canada? Like, have you ever always wondered something about Canada, but you haven't ran into any Canadians to ask? I mean, you have a couple on the line with you right now. We can answer any questions about life up here. Um, not really. I mean, I've, I've, um. I've I've actually played in Winnipeg when I was in the American Association, so I've go gold eyes. Go gold eyes. Yeah, <laughs> technically said I, I have been to Canada, but that was only for three days, so I'm, I'm not gonna say you know I've learned too much about Canada, but um, don't base your opinion on Canada on Winnipeg. I do know hey. it's cold. I've heard great things about Toronto. People <laughs> that I, I played with Mark Lowe actually okay in uh, Sugarland, and he he said that's his by far favorite place to play in the big league so that's nice. that's one thing i'm pretty excited for winnipeg's park is really nice by the way they do have a nice the, ballpark uh, yeah. with the train going yeah. right by no, there and everything the city was awesome yeah. i went to like i grew up here in saskatoon but my whole family's from winnipeg i go there a bunch and i've been to like 10 or 12 gold eyes games as a kid i can't remember but it's a great park one place you want to remember in toronto it's called the loose moose it's like three blocks away from uh, Rogers center it's a great little place i went there okay. uh during my honeymoon we went to a jays game and um, i'm telling you man the loose moose it's a fun little place. Great name, greater memories made there. I love <laughs> yeah, the right. moose. But uh, James Dykstra, it's just a super cool story. I mean, getting noticed on Twitter, that is, that's that's so 2019. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's one thing I thought would never happen. I mean, but, you know, the way the way I've taken my baseball career, it's not surprising that it had to, had to get go to Twitter to get noticed. <laughs> well, we'll be rooting for you, buddy. We'll be uh, updating your situation every week here on the podcast. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, talk to us. A San Diego boy on the podcast. I think he's the farthest guest we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> first player we've uh, had on the, uh, yeah, on the podcast, first player. too. No, we had um, Logan Hoffman. Oh, yeah, Logan, too. Yeah, yeah. good Saskatchewan boy. Good Saskatchewan boy there. But, uh, yeah, James Dykstra, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck with everything, and uh, keep hitting triple digits on that radar gun man we love seeing that yeah thank you i mean uh, that's that's my plan this offseason just you know 
get bigger and stronger and see see how hard I can throw it. I mean, hopefully I can get in that Jordan Hicks type area, but you know, that, that's just time will tell. <laughs> you were saying all the right things. Yeah. All the right <laughs> you got a little bit of a man crush on you right now, but not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, but thanks for having me on. I really like to appreciate it and hopefully hopefully I can see you in Toronto soon. Beauty bud. Be uh, stay healthy and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks again to James Dykstra for joining the podcast. That guy's an absolute gem. Yeah, that's man, awesome. a huge beauty. I'd love to have a couple beers with him. I was worried <laughs> when I asked him the party question because I was like, oh, maybe he's one of those guys that just keeps to himself, doesn't have many beers. And then I'm like, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I partied back a in my day. Beers. I like that guy. Patrick, you still with us, by the way, buddy? He, uh, he kind of let us take the reins on that interview. Uh, what did you think about James Dykstra there? I thought he was great i mean th- this type of situation this is brand spanking new for a lot of mm-hmm. players to be coming out of seemingly uh, you know nowhere or at least you know popping onto the radar uh in a peculiar fashion and one thing that really impressed me super chill dude mm-hmm. super chill yeah uh very down to earth and um i i like his attitude coming into the season and definitely you know we're going to be cheering for him uh, throughout spring training. And, you know, if he can he- keep, you know, cracking high 90s on the gun, I, I mean, yeah, get him in there. See see what he can do. He said those two words you like to hear, World Series. Mm-hmm. God, what a guy. Yeah, what a guy. I like him. Man, we're, we've got to stop <laughs> gushing over dude. this guy. It's just so cool that he was found on Twitter, and he's trucking like yeah, he's 98, 99 on a consistent basis, and it all happened because he got hurt in high school. Yeah. That's so weird. He never pitched really until college. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, some quick Jays news here. Uh, we signed that Japanese pitcher, Shun Yamaguchi, mm-hmm. Christie's kid. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, he's 32 years old. No idea what this guy's all about. I don't think any of us really know what this guy's all about. We're not going to pretend like we know what his stuff is like, but we got a guy named Yamaguchi, so that might be a cool jersey to buy. Um, when it comes to some other free agents, what's the what's the news on the Jays possibly getting a couple of veteran starters? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> there's not much news. That's the news. Oh, all right. Good talk. Sweet. Um, <laughs> that's not good, though, well, because it's no, been wait, going really I mean, bad. Th- there's rumors of that we're still interested and in the running for, for Hunjin Ryu, which... We've been interested in in the running for every pitcher who's been signed so far. So the theme of this offseason is that we were interested in in the running for people. It's just classic. Again, it's just like the J.P. Ricciardi days all over Hey, Clayton, again. it's almost like Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro are up to something, uh, hey? Like up to something. Again, it's not like they're up to something anymore. They are up to something. I'm scrapping the like. They're up to something. What about Taiwan Walker? What about him? Well, are we going to make a move for him? Like, if this not. whole Ryu thing doesn't Honestly, work out, why don't we make a move for him? Because other than Keiko and him, who's left? Give him $500,000. Give him the league minimum. He hasn't really pitched in the last two years. He's been hurt all the time. So it's kind of like the Matt Shoemaker thing, right? You give the guy a chance. Hopefully he doesn't hurt himself in a rundown. That, that was the worst. Because that's what we do now. We just sign super old guys to let's hope this works out contracts. Because it's 2011 again. <sighs> We went from a super high point with James Dykstra to extremely Let's, let's talk about this last, these last questions. Yeah, let's get to this uh, Blue Jays year in review. Since yeah. we kind of hogged the interview, uh, this is going to be Patrick's rodeo here. Patrick, take it away, buddy. Yeehaw. So <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about the Blue Jays year in review, uh, probably because this is one of our last podcasts of 2019. 
but maybe not the last. Uh, in one word, guys, how would you describe the year the Jays had? One word. Oh, man. Um, young. Young? I'd use the word young because the Jays' youth was um, was putting on a show this year. I'd say young, even though that's a bad way to describe a season, but I'd say young. Overhaul. That's one word. Yeah, that's a good one. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Patrick? I like, I, I like that. For me, I don't know. I would say transition because obviously we went from having a team that was built to win playoff series and they did uh to now we're looking at a complete overhaul of the system and yeah transition (laughs) who do you guys think was the biggest news story of 2019 so far i mean there's only two weeks left for the blue jays you're talking right that's right oh man i think it's got to be Honestly, the the way Boba Shett took the lead by storm, like he came in and set records right away. Obviously, he he got hurt, but he looked every bit as good as we hope he could be. I think uh, that's third on the list, but it's a close third. Close second would be Vladdy at the Derby, mm. because man, that was like yeah. week long news. Everyone was talking about Vladdy after that, but the Stroman trade was big. Yeah, I mean Marcus Stroman was a huge part of our team, thought to be the ace of the squad, the future of the franchise, face of the franchise, and yeah, the trade him to the Mets. There, you know, hey? just yeah. kind of the fallout of Marcus Stroman. I think was the biggest news story of 2019. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Um. What would you guys say was the high point of the year? Would no, you, you, get to you, answer, was... you get to answer these questions, too. You're not just going to ask. We want to get you involved here. What, what, oh. what was your biggest news story, 2019? <laughs> I was trying to hustle away from it. I would say the biggest news story was kind of the a three-pronged story about how these these young players got their calls to come up. And uh, really, everybody was impressive. I know Vladdy didn't win the rookie of the year and he didn't hit you know a million home runs and all that stuff but you know there's a lot of pressure on a guy for being barely 20 years old coming up to play first mlb season and the fact that his floor as a hitter is 280 i think i mean the future is bright for him um i think the high point of the year was definitely bo bichette uh came in barely played a quarter of a season and had 2.1 war i mean Good Lord, he's going to be—he's going to be the next, you know, Derek Jeter kind of player who's just going to turn turn a, a franchise around for the better. Low point? What do you guys think? I would say the low point was uh, probably the month of May, <laughs> where we lost like every game, and we had—we uh, were throwing out Socrates, Brito, and Alan Hansen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and it uh, just wasn't. It wasn't a good time. The low point for me was every game that Edwin Jackson started. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Edwin Jackson. Including the 19-4 to loss to the Padres. Oh, yeah. I mean, to make it worse, it was the Padres, too. <laughs> like, if it was the Yankees or Sox, I have no problem. The San Diego Padres? Ugh. The Padres. I'd say the low point of this season was just Aaron Sanchez in general. Yeah, that's true. Aaron oh, Sanchez's but... fucking finger. Sorry, Justin's mom, but <laughs> fuck sakes, man. <laughs> like, that's the one question I wanted to ask James Dykstra was the finger thing yeah. and how serious an injury that a, that a finger blister is is for a pitcher damn it we'll get it back james when you're on next or if you're listening tweet at us about the finger injury Turn okay but i think that was the uh, <laughs> low point and the high point was yeah bobachette bobachette was just a high point in general hell yeah let's uh cap off this little lightning round here with one last question 
pick one thing that you are looking forward to in 2020. Nate Pearson. So pumped. Can't oh, yeah. wait. I'm going to go off the board here and say Ken Giles. I think mm. Ken Giles is going to be a big part of this team because, like, other than Vladdy and Bo and a couple other guys, and Vladdy and Bo aren't really ready to be leaders in a clubhouse. I mean, maybe Grichik, but, I mean, other than that, Ken Giles is kind of like the leader of our team right now. I mean, he's got, like, the superstar, all-star kind of pedigree, throws 100 miles an hour, and he's our closer. So I'm kind of excited to see how Ken Giles kind of leads the bullpen and how he does in the ninth inning. Probably won't have a lot of save opportunities <laughs> next year, but uh, I'm kind of excited to see yeah. Ken Giles in action again next year. I love Ken Giles. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that, but um, this is the spicy take I'm going to wrap up this episode on. Three words for you is meaningful September baseball. Ooh. That's what I'm looking forward to in 2020. Mm. I'll throw, one, I'll throw one more spice. at you too. Looking forward to James Dykstra. I think I hope he makes the team. <laughs> yeah. His stuff looks filthy. Yeah. Like on those Twitter videos, man. His breaking stuff, like <laughs> it looks, it just drops. I went back and watched the rest of the videos you posted. It's like, yeah, man, this guy's got gas. Like, if he I had to catch has... for that guy, I played catcher back in the day. If no, I had to catch for him, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good, because I was never like a blocking catcher. Friend of the show. I didn't really block a lot of <laughs> balls when I played for Team Sask back in the day. But if I had to catch for him, I'd be like, no, I can't do it. A little humble brag there, more, Team Sask. Yeah, more of a fastball kind of guy. Yeah, Team Sask, not a big deal. <laughs> um, that's it. That's all for today's episode. Unless I know Patrick kind of wants to go off on margarine. Patrick listens to my radio show all the time, and I talked about margarine that's, today. Patrick, you're the cutest guy ever just uh, listening to Clayton's yeah, radio yeah, show. Well, someone has to. You don't. I listen to it on my way to the gym and, and back in the morning. On the way to the gym in the morning. Well, actually, no, on the way back because I'm at the gym at five. That's, so I leave the yeah, gym at six. That, I usually, exactly I usually catch say. whatever you guys are doing between six oh five and the news at six thirty. Some somewhere in there. Nothing good is in there. But usually I, a couple I, little I bits in there. Talking about how uh, we all have that one friend who hates margarine and is very adamant about how bad margarine is. Or calling margarine butter. Yeah. Some people hate that. And apparently, Patrick's that friend. I I do not like margarine. It is disgusting. It tastes fake. It doesn't taste like butter at all. It's just plastic. I don't understand what you're doing out there in Saskatoon. But why aren't good Saskatoon boys? Why aren't you having butter? I what, come from why, a margarine what's... family. Yeah, me too. Oh yeah. my but, god. Uh, but I I come from a margarine like a like a base cell margarine, yeah. like a soft margarine. Oh, it's good margarine. It's quality. Yeah. It's made with canola. Yeah. Good old canola. Yeah, that's what everyone thinks. No. Like, oh, the Prairie Boys must have butter. No, this is canola yeah, land. Softer man. than covered butter. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Expression. Covered margarine doesn't really roll <laughs> off the tongue like that, hey? Um, I think that's it. That's all for Bat Flips and Maple Dips today. A little bit of everything. A little bit of margarine. A little bit of James Dykstra. A little bit of Ken Giles. A little bit of Monica in my life. A little Lubega. No? Like, <laughs> Mumbo number five. We were about to pull a Costanza and go out on a high note. We were about to pull the yeah. Costanza. And then you have to come in with your Lou Bega you reference. Play Mumbo number five. Lou no, fucking Bega. I don't even feel bad for swearing for your mom now anymore because you dropped a Lou Bega reference. Blast from the past. That is a heater, by the way. I and Michael that. Scott's ringtone on yeah. the box. Okay, that's it. What's the extra song today? I heard we're going metal. We are going super metal. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of metal lately, and this tune, I don't know why, but it's just like it's stuck in my head. It is Disturbed with This Venom. Huh.